Welcome to This is Apologetics, the podcast of the Think Institute. We are a crew church movements ministry, and we're here every week to help you, the follower of Jesus, get equipped with the knowledge and skills that you need to understand, share, and defend the Christian message. We are a new podcast, but we think that there's a great need for this kind of content in the church today, and we want to get the word out, and we need your help to do that. We want to see believers get equipped, engaged, and encouraged. Would you please help us get the word out by giving us an honest five-star review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this podcast right now. And if you like it, share it with a friend or two or three. Thank you so much. Now, get ready to think. This is Apologetics, episode number 10. I am going live tonight with my friend Nathan Gantus. And um, this is a guy whose name I really, truly cannot pronounce. I say, Gan- <laughs> I say Gantus, but uh, Nathan, can you help us out? How, do we, how should we really be pronouncing your last name? So, I mean, my whole life I've always just said Gantos. Um, but in, in Lebanon, where my family's from, we say, Rantus. right. Rantus. Yeah, that's, that's not that's it. That's wrong. That's but totally that's wrong. fine. <laughs> you uh, a for effort, a for yeah. effort. I'm going to give myself an A for effort, which means nothing. Um, I'll give you a B plus for effort. I actually appreciate that. I think my grade's getting better. <laughs> um, so Nathan and I are here tonight because we want to talk about the subject a subject that is very important right now, especially as um, I would say increasingly year by year, this probably becomes an ever more important subject. And that is the subject of sharing and defending the Christian message to our Muslim neighbors and friends, coworkers, family members, the Muslim people in our lives. And so before we get started with any of that though, Nathan did agree to let me ask him an icebreaker question. So I wanted to ask you, Nathan, do you consider yourself to be more of a thinker or more of a feeler? I consider myself to be more of a thinker. Um, my wife and I often joke that she's the, she's the heart and I'm the head of the family. And uh, uh, what, what that really translates to in our conversations is me oftentimes, she'll be like, how do you feel about this? And I'll just look at her and say, I don't feel. Feelings? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you mean? <laughs> Right. So what do I think about it? Definitely, definitely analytical, definitely a thinker on that side. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I would be the same way. I would yeah. be the same way. Um, yeah, definitely a thinker, but it's interesting. You can, you can listen, you can listen to people as they talk mm-hmm. and they'll, they'll say things like, well, I feel that, you know, that's not right. Or I'll, I feel that we should do something different. Mm-hmm. And then you listen to other people. No, I think you're wrong. I, yeah. I've given this a lot of thought, you know, and right. And uh, yeah, so it's interesting how we're wired different ways. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like your wife, Anna Marie, is a, a good match for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the best. <laughs> well, you know, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, give, us, uh, give us your story. Where do you come from? What are you doing nowadays? And uh, what are you excited about right now in your own ministry? All right. Well, I mean, currently we're sitting in Chicago. So I've got to say I'm coming from a very far away land uh, called Bloomington, Illinois. Whoa. It's about three hours south, depending on traffic. I mean, if it's clear, you can do it in two and a half. But um, my father's from Lebanon, and um, you know, his family migrated to the United States when he was young. My mom's from Colombia, so that makes me a very nice ethnic mix of two polar opposite ends of the world. I'm, I'm half <laughs> Middle Eastern, half Latino. Um, but I, I grew up in a Christian family. Both of my parents uh, were were saved um, when they got married and I I was surrounded by the church. I was surrounded by ministry. And just as I grew up, it it became very clear from a very young age that that ministry is what I'd spend my life doing. Um, 
And as I started to enter my teenage years, I started to travel a little bit. And uh, first place I, I left the country was to go visit family in, in Colombia. But since then, I've, I've been in 16 different countries. Um, and 16 all over, different yeah, countries. That's incredible, man. All over the United States as well. Hmm. Uh, and, and God's really just done some wonderful things. Uh, there's definitely been a, a burden placed on my heart to, to see people reach, to engage in conversations, to study the Bible with other people and, and to help them um, come to, to faith in Christ. It's amazing. You know, you think of the United States as a place where Christianity is at least known of, but hmm. I can sit down with almost every person I've ever had a Bible study with um, and I just tell them the, the story of Genesis, you know, one through three, and they'll go, I have never heard that before. Really? I have no idea. And we're talking about Muslim people? Uh, people in general, Muslims and non-Muslims. Okay. Um, atheists, agnostics, people who grew up in the church. Hmm. I'll tell them, you know, when I, when I share the gospel with people, I, I go through the stories of the Bible and I go through the prophets and to every story, they'll be like, you know, even the people who grew up in the church, I've, I've heard this my whole life. But I never knew. I never knew. And so I, I definitely have a passion to, to help people realize what Christianity actually teaches, hmm. uh, what we believe as Christians, and, um, and, and how they can have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, there is definitely a very strong focus on Muslims. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm currently getting ready to move to Lebanon. My wife and I are, are going to be moving back to the country my father's from. Um, you still have family over there? I do. It's extended family. Um, I come from a, a Greek Orthodox village up in the north, uh, so there are Christian roots, but you know they don't pray to God; they pray to uh, the saints, hmm. and so there's not really a relationship there. Um, but yeah, it's all ex it's all extended family. Okay, right on, man. What's your time frame right now for when you want to get out of the United States and head head over to Lebanon? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so we're not going as fast, maybe as we would hope or want. Um, we are starting to support raise right now, uh, but we're still looking maybe about another year here in the United States. We are starting a missional community in Bloomington, Illinois, uh, where we're taking people, uh, having them all move into our neighborhood, hmm. which is an ethnic neighborhood. It's a, it's a very international neighborhood, uh, probably 90 to 95% immigrants. And um, wow. Yeah. So very large population. There. This is done in Bloomington? In, in Bloomington. That's so. incredible. Yeah, um, and just living as a missional team there. So we can be training people to, to live in community and to need one another as, as Christians and to live as a church body and while also living on mission and sharing your faith daily. Right on, man. So That's incredible. Sounds mm -hmm. like the perfect place to be preparing for mm -hmm. the kind of mission and the kind of uh, ministry you want to have in the future. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful, man. That's wonderful. All right, so uh, we've, we've got a few people on with us right now. I'll tell you what, if you can see us and hear us please just drop a comment in the comment section there just you know i can see you i can hear you we just want to make sure that the mic is working that um the lighting's good that the the camera is working and everything so if you can see us just drop us a comment and uh we're going to keep the conversation going also um oh hey good jerry's watching hey jerry good to see you on with us today man um we are we're going to continue the conversation and uh, it looks like the Looks like at least one person can see us in here. So yeah. that's, a, hey. that's a good thing. We'll take it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just drop a comment. Let us know. And then if you have any any comments or questions for Nathan as we're going, um, just let us know. Uh, drop a comment. And, um, of course, if you like what you see, drop a like. All this stuff helps us get the word out about these videos. And then also let me do a quick plug for those of you listening to the podcast. If you like this podcast and you're listening to it on – Apple Podcasts or uh, Stitcher or Podcast Addict or any other podcast app, go ahead and please leave us a five, an honest five-star review. And um, what that does is that helps make us more visible. And we want more people to be hearing all this great evangelism and apologetics goodness that we're, we're uh, churning out here on a weekly basis for you. So a five-star review really does help. Thank you for that. Thank you for liking. Thank you for sharing. Pass this around. And um, I'm really confident that tonight's conversation is going to be a really, really helpful one for us as I, I mean, I'm really looking forward mm -hmm. to our conversation because Nathan is somebody who's really helped me learn a lot about how to start up conversations and share and defend my faith with the Muslim folks in my own life. So um, on that note, let's go ahead and get started. 
And uh, good, Kathy, I'm glad you can see in here. Thank you so much for that comment. So let's get into the topic of the night, which is sharing and defending the Christian faith to Muslims. So Nathan, talk to us a little bit about why is this even important? Why are we having this discussion? Like, why is this something that you care so deeply about? And why should we care deeply about it as followers of Jesus? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question. Uh, and I, I think that's a really important question and something that a lot of people are asking. Um, like I mentioned, when I walk with people through the Bible, I like to walk through the whole Bible and I'll take them through the prophets. And one thing that constantly comes up is this idea in the Old Testament that somebody is coming and they're just waiting for this person to come. Uh, and so you look at Genesis 3, and right away after the fall, God says to the serpent that he's going to send somebody, uh, that the serpent will bruise his heel, but he's going to crush his head. Um, you go into Abraham, and you see that there's going to be a nation that comes out of Abraham, and they're going to bless the world. And through this nation, somebody's going to come who's going to bless the entire world. Uh, Moses you know, it says that nobody was like Moses, that he was the prophet who spoke to God face to face, and he carried so much power and authority. Um, but somebody, there's going to be a prophet like Moses. We even see David. There's going to be a, a king who comes from the line of David who will have a royal, pre, uh, a royal dynasty uh, for eternity. Right. And so they're just waiting and waiting and waiting for this person. And this person finally comes. And he doesn't come exactly how they expect. He's not, um, he, he's not a huge militant leader or anything like that. He comes as a servant. And he suffers like the prophet Isaiah said he would and, and dies. But then he comes back to the dead. And all of a sudden the waiting's over because he's done. And so the question is, what do we do now? Hmm. Well, Jesus says before he ascends, he gives us the great commission. And he says, go into all the world and uh, preach the gospel, baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and as we look at the state of the world right now, we've got, you know, seven, seven and a half billion people on earth. And over two billion of them are Muslim. There is a very huge percentage of this world that's Muslim. And if you think of all of the worldviews and all of the religions and everything that's out there, you have to realize that this really is a huge, huge focus. And right now, when you're looking mm. at these people who aren't, um, you know, we hear about them in the news and things like that, but there, there isn't a big emphasis on going to them, I think, and, and reaching out to them. And, and right now we've got, you know, with international trade and schools and even the refugee crisis, we have so many of them pouring into us, but historically they've just been ignored. So we've Meaning got, they've been ignored in their countries or they've been ignored here? A little bit of both, okay. really. Um, so people haven't been going to them. Uh, for all of the unreached peoples and all of the Muslim peoples out there, it's, it's really been less than 1% of missions has been going to this population. That's, it's, you know, it's the second largest religion in the world to Christianity. Huh. It makes up such a huge percentage. I mean, this isn't, we're not talking small numbers here. We're talking, you know, if you convert, if, if you bring the Muslims to faith in Jesus, you bring a significant portion of the world. Right. Um, uh, to Christ. And so this is something that needs to be focused on. And this, these, this is a group of people who we need to have these relationships and conversations with. Man, that's a really good point. So of the world's seven point whatever billion people, you know, two sevenths of them essentially mm -hmm. are Muslim. And that number is growing, right? Yeah, it's growing very, very fast. And it's, you know, we see, yeah, m cultures that are traditionally Muslim tend to have a lot of kids. So their population is growing. But there's a ton of Muslim converts, and they're coming not necessarily from the East, where there's still maybe Christian churches or anything, but it's happening all over Europe, all over the United States. The fastest- Is that right? Yeah. The, the, the area with the most converts right now is in England. Uh, no and, kidding. And it's, it's English women who are coming or are becoming Muslim at a faster rate than anywhere else in the world. Hmm. So, you know, I like what you said um, about how there are so many different worldviews in the mm -hmm. world. And yet there's one worldview mm -hmm. that encompasses two sevenths. Right. One out of every three and a half people in the world right. is going to adhere to this one worldview. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into how there's, there, there are different variations right. within it, Islam is not a monolith. Right? right. And yet if you can learn the basics, I'm sure mm -hmm. of this one worldview and how to communicate the gospel to them, mm -hmm. you've, you've knocked out a huge mm -hmm. part of learning the different worldviews that are mm -hmm. out there. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible actually. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So, so this is something that we as Christians need to be focused on because of the great commission that Jesus gives. Right. Us. Right. So he says, make, make disciples of all the nations. Right. And a large portion of those nations mm -hmm. are Muslim and they've been primarily neglected. Right. 
by the work that the church has been doing right. historically. So not only is it is it a massive need, but it's it's a need that we need to get our we need to make up for lost time here mm-hmm. as the church, sort of. Oh, absolutely. Speaking. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So, um, so clearly it's a, a huge need, um, and uh, and this is great because you know what we're about to get into some of the like some of the theoretical aspects mm-hmm. of sharing, but we've actually got some more people joining us. We got Mark Zanders is watching. Uh, what's up, Mark? Andrea Whitmer is watching. Greg Wilson, guys, we are so glad that you're you're joining. If you can see and hear us, please just drop a comment. Let us know. You know, say hi. Let us know you can see us. We just um, we want to make sure that you can see and hear us that everything's working. And then if you've got any questions for Nathan as we go, just um, uh, he didn't agree to this, but I'm I guess I'm vol- <laughs> I guess I'm volunteering him. Uh, oh, telling me. He's volunteering yeah. him. To uh, to answer any of your questions because um, this is a guy who has got pretty extensive experience um, sharing his faith, sharing the Christian message with Muslims, and he's actually training right now and preparing to go overseas and do that exact same thing. So this mm-hmm. is a life calling for Nathan. Um, so yeah, so uh, ask any questions and uh, good, Andrea. I'm glad that you can see us. Thanks for thanks for letting us know. Mm-hmm. All right, so we talked about a little bit about why this is important for us to be talking about. Um, let's talk about this. What should be our goal? Okay, so fine. So I'm convinced that I need to share my faith with Muslim people. Or at least, at the very least, I'm convinced that the church ought to be talking about this. We ought to be mm-hmm. like planning mm-hmm. for this, uh, preparing for this. What is my goal? What is our goal as Christians as we look at this massive mission field. Um, I guess maybe if you could address sort of what you think the church's goal should be writ large and then on a everyday basis for me, for our viewers, our listeners, what is the goal of a, of an evangelistic encounter with a Muslim person? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think at large, uh, I kind of mentioned it already, but the Great Commission is the goal. We want to see disciples of all nations, of all people, of all groups, you know, I, I, I believe in the power of God, and I believe that there is no boundary that's going to stop uh, salvation by any means. And so we want to see people saved. Now, that's going to look very different depending on the encounters. There are some people who are going to be really, really hard against the idea of Christianity. And for those people, the idea is just to say, hey, maybe those people aren't crazy. Maybe it, it isn't what I've been believing my whole life. There are some people who are ready to say, you know what? Christianity really is the background of my faith in Islam because Islam is another, uh, it's, they claim to come from Abraham as well. Right. And so they'll say that your scriptures are, or were at one point, the words of God. Many, most of them believe that they were corrupted, but not necessarily all of them. Okay. Okay. Um, Real quick. Can we pause there for a second? Okay. The average Muslim person, what is their view of the Bible? So they believe the Bible came from God. Um, but has been corrupted through okay. time. Um, and we're talking about what they would consider to be the, the Torah. Yeah, the Torah. So that's the, the books of Moses, uh, the writings of David, and then the, the four gospels mm-hmm. are really what they consider in those groups. Um, and so one conversation really is is telling them that it's, it's not corrupted. And there's a lot of ways you can go about that. Um, mm-hmm. Very simply, uh, I, I like to tell people that they're, we're just not powerful enough to change the word of God. We don't have authority over God where we can change his word or hurt him in any way. Right. And so I just realistically, and that'll resonate with the Muslim because they talk about the sovereignty of God. They believe in the, the almighty power of God. And to say that his word has been corrupted is to say we have had power over him to corrupt it. And that's not, that doesn't fit in the Muslim worldview. And Honestly, the Quran doesn't say that the Bible has ever been corrupted. It says to read it. So, okay. Now, yeah. to be fair, though, okay. Wait, real quick, backing up. Yeah. You're you're talking about entering into the Muslims' mm-hmm. worldview for the sake of argument and saying, look, your concept of God, mm-hmm. Allah, does not allow you to believe that His word could ever be corrupted. Right. This is. This is what they believe because they don't believe in a God whose word could be corrupted, right? Mm-hmm. Or or that someone could overpower God. Right. So now I know that there are passages in the Quran that mm-hmm. um, that instruct 
Are there passages that instruct Muslims to go back and read the Bible? I know there are passages that instruct Christians to search, you know, the, the scriptures or Jewish people to search um, the revelation that they have, thinking that it would be, you know, in agreement with what Muhammad mm -hmm. brought. But is there enough in the Quran to tell them, like, look, God's words can't be corrupted and the Bible is God's word? So it doesn't directly say that God's word can't be corrupted, but when you learn about God through an Islamic view, that is just a natural conclusion that you need to come to because, mm. because of what I've explained, we just don't okay. have the power to do it. Okay. So um, they would agree with that. Then. Yeah. Okay. But it, it does, it does say that you should read all of the scriptures and it, it includes the, the Torah, it includes the Injil. Um, and I mean, these are words that we gave them. Torah is their version of Torah, which mm -hmm. is what, you know, the Hebrew. And Injil actually uh, comes from the root uh, Evangelion, which is good news and, and where we have evangelical from. Yeah, and that's, it's gospel. Uh, right, so that's news, the gospel. Yeah. And so it, it says to study those. Now, somewhere along the lines, they've had to say, this isn't consistent with what we believe, which means that has to have been corrupted. Um, but that still doesn't fully work. And so what they'll say is, you know, the problem isn't that, you know, we changed the words, it's that we've translated them too many times. Okay. And, uh, and we've got thousands and thousands of translations. Well, on my phone, I've got a Quran app and uh, it's just called Holy Quran. I don't know if it is on iOS, but I believe it is, but I have an Android phone. Um, and in this app, it has the Arabic Quran, but it also has about 400 other translations of the Quran. And they will say that that's not actually the Quran. And I tell them, listen, the Bible is very difficult to interpret. And you understand that because the Quran is as well. And so we have all of these methods um, to help us interpret it. And at just as a Christian, I believe that the Bible was inspired in its original autographs. I mean, that's part of the statement of inerrancy. Right. And so I, I help them. I've, sh I've shown them. I've shown them pictures of manuscripts of different things. We've got thousands and thousands of manuscripts um, for the for, Bible for the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and ancient ones too. Um, you know, even where I went to school, we had some in the library, hmm. but uh, um, where'd you go to school? I went to Moody, Moody Bible. Institute. Oh yeah. Right on. Okay. So we've got, we've got an ancient Torah scroll there and we've even got an ancient new Testament. Um, but I'll tell them this is to help us interpret it in the same way that these translations are to help you interpret the Quran. Hmm. I've never had any argument with, Hmm. They just go, oh, okay. So that clears up that objection. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so you don't, when you're witnessing or you're having a spiritual conversation with a, a Muslim mm -hmm. person, um, you, you maintain your high view of scripture. Absolutely. You don't set that aside. Absolutely. In order to have, and one, this is one of the things I love about your approach to um, uh, speaking with Muslims, Nathan, mm -hmm. is you don't feign neutrality. Right. In the sense of you're not saying, well, let's put the Bible and the Quran sort of side by side and let's sort of see which one makes more sense. Right. No, I'm, you're an unapologetic Christian. Right. And so, and you're approaching the conversation as a Christian. Absolutely. Now, okay, so when you're having a conversation with a Muslim person, how does that approach come off? Do they see that as arrogant? Do they respect that? Are they sort of indifferent to it? But how do they view your strong biblical trust? Well, I don't think anybody would say that it's, it's a view of arrogance because they're coming at me either accepting it and saying, you know what, you might have a point and maybe I will read this with you. And that at the end of the day is my goal with every relationship I have. I, I want to study the Bible with them. Um, but sometimes it'll be like, they'll just walk away mad and they won't give up their ways. And they'll say, no, the Quran is the only right way. And in that way, the Bible, but they're holding the Quran in the same way I'm holding the Bible. So they can't really point at me and say, you're being arrogant. Right. Oh, that's good. Okay. So, so either they are willing to open themselves up to the way that you're thinking, mm -hmm. um, or at the very worst, they just sort of take a similar position towards the Quran and then, Hey, fair is fair. Yeah. You're going to hold the Quran. I'm going to hold the Bible. Right. You know? Um, okay. All right, cool. So, um, so now as we're thinking about having conversations with Muslims, mm -hmm. um, is it, is it just a case by case basis or would you say that there are some general trends as to things that we ought to be aiming for. And I'm specifically thinking of, I go to the, the, this barbershop here in the neighborhood and it's, uh, you know, there's Arabic up on the walls. They've got, um, you know, um, I'm not sure what they're called, but they're like tapestry, little mini yeah. tapestries, yeah. you know, and I asked them about it and they're, they're basically 
sort of like good luck talismans, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of ward off uh, oh, evil yeah. eyes and, right. and, and stuff like that. Very superstitious. Right. Um, which I thought was interesting, mm -hmm. you know, um, kind of like, you know, if you've ever gone to a place where there's, you know, like strong Greek Orthodox influence, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of efforts to ward off curses and right. evil eyes and things like Absolutely. that. So, um, but I'm thinking of my barbers and I'm thinking I've, I've had, I've shared the gospel with them. I've actually yeah. given them a book about uh, explaining Christianity from a, a Muslim perspective. And um, what about, you know, those who are watching who have Muslim neighbors who are getting their hair cut by Muslims who are, um, you know, interacting with Muslims in their daily life. What should be our goal in these conversations? Well, I think one of the best entryways is prayer. Absolutely. Um, you know, they believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. Uh, they pray five times a day. So to say that um, they turn down prayer really is, is, you know, they might say it because you're a Christian, but, but at the end of the day, it's, it's something that they believe in. And um, they pray um, to a God who some of them might say is the same God. Some of them would say is different. I don't believe it's the same God their prayers don't get answered at the end of the day. And so I will tell them, you know, as we get to talk, Hey, is there anything I can pray for you about? Um, and we can have a conversation about that. And, and I always try to come ready with it, with an answered prayer hmm. that I have, you know, Meaning if, a prayer I mean, that God has answered in your own yeah, life. In, in my own life. So, so what this looks like is in a lot of times it just depends on how the conversation is going, but maybe they're having family troubles and I'll say, you know, I've been having family. I've had family troubles as well. Who, you know, who hasn't, but, right. um, I've prayed to God and this is how God answered it. And that's something that for so many people is amazing because the idea of, of having a tangible answered prayer is, is fairly foreign. Mm. Um, and so you can say, Hey, can I pray for you? And, and so many times that's just such a great way to bring them a step closer. Um, and as you pray for them, check up with them, say, Hey, how's this going? You know, I've been praying for you, you know, next time you go back to the barber and if they say, Hey, it worked. It's great. Or, you know, maybe it, it's still going on or, you know, you never mm. know, keep praying for them. Um, but use that as a way to deepen the relationship because prayer is, it's a very intimate thing. And if, if we're praying for each other, that shows a form of brotherhood. It shows a bond that's being there. Um, mm. and it shows a relationship being built and that'll get you a step closer to seeing them outside of there. Maybe with a Bible between you, maybe with food between you. Now, there's all sorts of different steps that you can take to go that way. But, um, but really, building that friendship and, and, you know, I don't know what relationship um, is better built on anything else other than prayer mm. personally. Right. So that's cool. Okay. So, so, so far, um, if, if you guys are, are listening to this and you're watching this and you're imagining that Nathan's going to come up with these really like in-depth, like technical philosophical arguments and stuff, um, you might be pleasantly surprised here because so far we've got Bible mm -hmm. and we've got prayer, mm -hmm. which is, is like, man, I, those are like two basic fundamental pillars of my Christian walk with God anyway. At least they should be. Right. I should be in the word every day right. and I should be praying to God every day. Right. right. And and if nothing else, what you're saying right now is great motivation um, for me mm -hmm. and and for those listening to be in the word. Oh, absolutely. Right. And, and to be in prayer. Absolutely. And so that we have. So we know what the word says and we have these like answered prayers mm -hmm. because if I don't have any answered prayers in my own life, well, I, it's going to be kind of hard for me to share that mm -hmm. with my Muslim friends. Mm -hmm. um, so now just wondering, do when Muslims pray, you know, I know that they've got their Quranic recitations that they mm -hmm. make while they're praying in Arabic. Mm -hmm. Even if they don't speak Arabic, they mm -hmm. have to pray in Arabic. Correct. Mm -hmm. Now is the average Muslim person, are they praying to God with sort of, extemporaneous impromptu prayers like you or I might pray throughout the day. God, please help with this. My son is sick. My, you know, I need to, uh, I need this conversation to go well. I need this, this relationship to be mended. Help me, you know, with this immediate need. Mm -hmm. um, are they praying that way throughout the day? Does it vary? So it, it does vary. Uh, so part of the five pillars of Islam, and that is just kind of their five big points. One of them is prayer. And that pillar specifically is, a recitation prayer. You're reciting the Quran while you're doing these motions of bowing and standing and kneeling. Um, and that happens five times a day. Now throughout the day, you can do other kinds of prayer as well. And that's more general. That's more open. That's just praying to God and bringing your needs before him. Okay. Um, I've even had 
uh, an imam come to me and say, hey, if you're traveling, please pray for me. Because in the Quran, it says uh, the prayer of a traveler is always heard. Um, and they do. They put such a big influence on the idea of a traveler as well. So things, themes like that pop up. While but, you're traveling. Yeah. So and, and I wasn't even traveling that far. I just got in a car and drove huh. three hours away. Um, and so he That's asked me to pray for him, but, but, you know, they will pray as well. Um, maybe not all of them. They do the five prayers as, are the big ones and those are the required ones, but there mm -hmm. are other prayers that they can do. Okay. And, and I've heard varying responses mm -hmm. on this would, and I don't want to get like too sidetracked, but I think this is important. Would the average Muslim person say that they have a personal relationship with Allah? I, I don't think the average one would. Um, and that, they, they have a fear of, of God that is, you know, he's just so far beyond us. He's out there and I'm going to do what I can to appease him. I'm going to obey him. I'm going mm. to follow his rules. Uh, I, I do imagine that there are some out there who would say they have a relationship with him, but, but that's not common. It's, it's God. And then it's us. There's, they don't have the mediator. They don't right. have Christ like we do. Right. Okay. Um, and yet there is this concept that God is, a lot mm -hmm. is, and I want to talk in a minute about yeah. the, the differences between the two gods, as you're saying. Mm -hmm. and, um, but there's this, um, there's this verse, uh, this ayah in the Quran that says that God is closer to you than your jugular vein. Have you heard this verse? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Right. So there's this idea that God is close, meaning that he is uh, sort of maybe omnipresent. Yeah. But there's, but it sounds to me like you're saying that there's not necessarily like what we would consider, um, a personal relationship right. where he's, I know they don't consider him to be a father. That would, that would mm -hmm. be um, almost, you're almost committing shirk at that point. If you, is that? Yeah. I, so right you can say, that? I mean, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with saying God is father to everybody and everything as in the creator father, but to okay. say that personal, like he is my, he's my dad. Right. Is like, who? You wouldn't do that. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. Okay. All right. So let's, um, I, I want to talk about, how we should approach these conversations. Mm -hmm. Before we do though, Jerry Sellers is, uh, is asking a question. Jerry always watches our videos and um, usually asks some really good questions. Yeah. The question is, expand on why you believe that they pray to a different God. Can you unpack that? Obviously we would say that there is only one God. Right. Why, do you, why would you say that the Muslims are not praying to the same God that we are, the one true God? Yeah, you know, that's a really great question. Um, and that's something that a lot of people ask. And that's something that uh, various Muslims might even ask as well, if you're having that conversation. And, and there's a time to address that. Um, but what I will say is, is, you know, a lot, there's a lot of semantics with the name of God, whether you say God or Allah or whatever. Um, Allah or Illah, which is how it was, it was said classically, comes from the Semitic root il, which is where we get Eloh, which is singular for Elohim. So in that sense, those words really are the same. Just and, one's Arabic, one's Hebrew. And Elohim is, yeah. is if you look in your Hebrew Bible, right. you'll see the word Elohim referring to God. It, it refers both to the God that we worship, but it also refers to the, the pagan gods. It's just a general word for God. Like our word God. Yeah. We've got right. the Greek gods, we've mm -hmm. got yeah. the Muslim God, we've got right. the Hindu gods, and then we've got God. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and so, and it, it does function in that way, um, but there are big differences. We believe in one God, and that one God is three persons. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We believe that they are not the same, but altogether they are one God. It's hard, I mean. Yeah, but one God in, in essence. One God in essence. Three persons. Three persons. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, and they don't believe that. Actually, when they look at uh, Christians, the Quran says that, yeah, they worship three gods. Uh, they believe in, in God. They believe in um, Jesus as God. And they believe that Mary is God. Right. So there's there's a confusion there. Right. Um, which but, which is um, on the one sense it's funny, and the other yeah. sense it's frustrating. Right. Because the Quran doesn't even have the author of the Quran does not even have an understanding of what the Trinity is. Right. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right. The three co-equal right. persons, one sharing one essence, and yet uh, sharing a divine right. love, even amidst the distinctions. Right. They're viewing their whole the whole idea of shirk. Mm -hmm. which is associating others with God mm -hmm. uh, as equals to God, which we would be against that as well. We right. don't believe that there is more than one God. Absolutely. And, then, and, and that anyone who is not God is equal to God. Right. Um, 
but there's just not a concept in the Quran. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you wish you could go back in time and say, well, at least get this one thing right, <laughs> yeah. you know, because it would make, it'll yeah. make our discussions a lot easier for the next, you know, 1400 years. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the author of the Quran doesn't seem to have a, a working knowledge of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And so because they reject the Trinity, I would say that they reject our God who we worship. But then further, um, mm -hmm. because they reject uh, salvation, the, the free salvation by through faith, um, because they do believe, they believe God is the judge and ultimately he'll make the decision, but it is still somewhat of a works-based salvation. Um, because they reject the salvation by faith, I, I think it's still, they're worshiping a different God. Oh, interesting. So the very fact that they don't believe in the gospel that mm -hmm. of, of free grace right. means they don't believe in the God of free grace. Right. Okay. Um, there's another point too about justice, isn't there? Mm -hmm. Right. Because since in Islam, there's no atonement for sin, right? It's God either just forgives mm -hmm. by fiat mm -hmm. or he punishes. And right. there's not really a divine standard by which God judges everybody like in Christianity or like in the Bible where God is perfectly just, right. You know, where in order to forgive sins, God has to punish those sins. Right. And he either does so, uh, to uh, in the person, right. the sinner himself, in an eternity in hell, right. or vicariously Absolutely. through. Cuts. I mean, even if you have a conversation with with a Muslim, anytime they say a prophet name, they will follow that with uh, "God rest his soul" or, or something to that effect. Peace be upon him. Peace be upon him. You know those sorts of things. And the reason is they don't even know that the prophets are going to heaven. There's no assurance at all. Mm. And so they'll say, "Oh yeah, Muhammad, peace be upon him," or Isa, which is how they say Jesus, peace be upon him, or or Musa, Moses, peace right. be upon him, because they just don't know. There's right. no assurance. Right. And if there's no assurance for the prophets, there's definitely no assurance for the, for the believers. Mm. So that's interesting. So even if you are a devout Muslim, mm -hmm. you have no guarantee that God will accept you at the end of the day, at the end of your life. Right. 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 Um, so contrast that then just, for those who might not be familiar with the Christian gospel, how is that different from you know what we believe uh, based on what the Bible, specifically the New Testament, yeah, teaches? Absolutely. So we believe in you know all of the alones, right? So grace alone, by faith alone, through Christ alone. Um, and just what that means is He has taken the punishment for our sins, um, and you know this goes all the way back through the prophets. And they say, somebody's coming who's going to set us free. Somebody who's coming who's going to set us mm. free. And they didn't necessarily get a political freedom, but they got a freedom from their sins. And, and because of that, we have the assurance of our salvation. We have the assurance of grace and, and the forgiveness of our sins. You know, it's interesting though, too. You mentioned political freedom. Mm -hmm. I find this to be very interesting because while our hope is not set on this world, right. As the, as a Christian, right. If you do look at um, those where where the gospel took over and infused itself throughout, you know, worked itself like yeast through a, a, mm -hmm. a whole society. Right. Those are the societies mm -hmm. that ended up enshrining personal liberty, you know, individual freedoms and human rights. I mean, that comes yeah. from within the Christian worldview. Yeah. Right. So um, now that's not to say that everywhere where Christians live. Right. You have political freedom. North Korea, you know, there's mm -hmm. a massive church, 200, almost 200 million people in China right now who don't have freedom. Right. But in those areas where the, the gospel was able to work itself up into the upper echelons of those who established the government, mm -hmm. like the founding fathers, even though I wouldn't say you know, Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, clearly not believers if you look at their writings, but so influenced yeah. by Christianity that they're enshrining absolutely these rights. Absolutely. So there is a certain level of, you know, it's it when you follow God's, um, when you follow His plan, you end up with freedom. You end up with liberty, even here in in this world. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you look at history, and the whole world has been you know one tribe fighting another tribe to try to take over until those tribes could form a nation and then a kingdom and then a, an empire, and right. and that kept happening. And even that happens still, and that's happened long after Christ. But it wasn't until Christ came that you see people like whole groups of people and whole nations rising up saying, guys, maybe this isn't right. Right. It's always been might makes right. Mm -hmm. It's my gods are stronger than your gods. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, so we're going to conquer you. Right. And yeah, you're absolutely right. This whole idea, I mean, West Western civilization and, and where the gospel permeates 
Um, you know, it's, even the, this is not going to be a popular statement depending on who's listening, <laughs> but, but even the, the so-called Muslim golden age, are you right. familiar with that? Yeah. Um, the way that that came about was as Muslims took over formerly Christian lands, mm -hmm. the Christians had been preserving the ancient, you know, Greco-Roman and, and ancient Christian texts. Mm -hmm. And um, as the Muslims took over, they, they sort of discovered these texts mm -hmm. that the Christians had been preserving. And that led to this, what's now considered to be the Muslim golden age. We can debate about how golden yeah. it was, but, but it was the influence of Christians living in that mm -hmm. society that actually led to the, those societies prospering. Mm -hmm. Have you, are you familiar with that at all? Uh, to a certain extent, but okay. not, not, yeah. Yeah. I'm not an expert, I'm not an on, expert it on it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we won't, we won't, uh, we won't go there, <laughs> but, um, but it is fascinating. So, um, all right. Now let's talk about how should we approach these conversations? And as we're going here again, if you guys, we've got some new people watching, actually, my mom is watching. Hi mom. <laughs> um, Corey Forsyth is watching Jimmy Fisher. What's up? Lindy Russia. So glad you're watching. And, uh, oh, Sherry Ayakulo is watching. Guys, thank you for watching. If you have any questions for Nathan as we're going, please, um, we've already had a great question come in, but yeah, just drop the question in the comments and we will do our best uh, to answer it. And by we, I mean Nathan. Um, but let's talk about how should we approach these conversations? Yeah. How do we get them started? Mm -hmm. And um, maybe we can talk about three things. One, building the building relationships with people who we're, we're gonna have more than one conversation with, okay? Right. And then like one-off conversations, you know, I'm in the elevator with a Muslim. What do I say? Mm -hmm. Do I even bother to say anything or am I going to just, you know, offend him mm -hmm. or her? And then the third one is, um, uh, so, so long-term immediate term. And then, um, you know, maybe how do we know if we, well, how about this? Is there anything we should avoid in either case? So that's kind of a lot to throw at you, but yeah, no, that's totally fine. Um, I think if you're going to find somebody, if you're, if you're meeting somebody who you probably won't see again, um, I, I think the end goal of that conversation is prayer because you, you just have no idea where that's going to go, but just say, Hey, can I pray for you? Leave, leave a, a good feeling. So the next time they meet a Christian, it's not like, Oh, you guys are crazy or anything. It's mm. I've met a Christian and they, they actually took an interest in me before. And so that can set them up for a future relationship if, if God wants them to have that. Um, okay, so this is getting back to the question of asking them, mm -hmm. hey, is there anything I can be praying yeah. for? Now, at that point, but, do you introduce yourself as a Christian? I'm oh, a Christian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm a Christian. I introduce myself to everybody that way. Um, you yeah, know, me too. Coworkers and yeah. waiters and... Uh, Put it out there. But yeah. Put I'm, it out there right away. I'm a Christian. Can I pray for you? Um, Love it. But I... This is something that for a lot of people I think is uncomfortable, but I always find something to comment on. You've got such a cute baby. I like your dog. Um, that's a really nice tie. You know, something like that, that you mm. can just be like a, a, a one word. Okay, now we're talking. That's not super awkward. Mm. Um, <laughs> and Avoiding the super awkward stuff is good. That's you know, important. You don't, yeah. you know, it'll come you will be awkward. And maybe I'm saying that just because I'm super awkward and, and you're not, and I'm projecting myself. On I'm you, feeling but... very awkward right now. And I didn't want to say anything, but yeah. you're giving off some, some awkward vibes. Um, but you know, by the grace of God, we're not defined by our awkwardness. We're defined by amen. Christ's sacrifice for us. Right. <laughs> amen. So, amen. That's what I, that, I love. It. Um, <laughs> but just, you know, use that as a means to say, how are you? Yeah. Where are you going? What are you up to? Um, and you have a small conversation. If you have a small conversation, I don't think it's awkward at all to say, how can I pray for you? Mm. Um, and if the conversation goes well, I don't think it's awkward at all to say, I really enjoyed talking to you. Can we exchange numbers and have, have a meal sometime? Wow. Food is the one thing that brings everybody together. I mean, soccer does kind of, but everybody's like fighting each other on opposite sides of the stadium. Sure. But food is one of those things where you can just, you can just come together and you can be friends. And, and especially, you know, in the Muslim culture, it's something that's, that's very um, highly recognized. And, and Jesus shared a lot of meals with a lot of people. Mm. Um, yeah, that's true. So, so right. if it's a one-time conversation, you know, how can I pray for you? If it's a conversation that you think you might be able to have again, hey, can we have a meal? And how can I pray for you? 
Um, but then going forward from there, I, I start with bridge building. So it might be your barber, it might be your waiter, it might be um, somebody you met on the street and decided you wanted to pet their dog or compliment their kid or mm -hmm. their tie or whatever. Um, but if you have the ability to go forward, um, you know, start off with, hey, you asked me to pray for you about this last time. How is that going? That really, I mean, just across the board, whether they're Muslim or not, shows that you care about them uh, and that you're checking in on them. And it's not just like some agenda you're pushing. It's like, no, how are you really doing? Right. Um, but as that relationship develops, you can say, you can say, Hey, I, I know you're a Muslim and I'm a Christian. And, um, I believe, you know, we believe in, you know, these prophets together. Would you like to study them together? Uh, so now this many, is, this is the yeah, good stuff, right? This here. is the good stuff. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to think that that's terrifying, but you know, I've had a conversation with somebody one time where they're like, yeah, but I'm a Muslim and you're a Christian and maybe we shouldn't do that. And I said, do you think every Muslim, everybody who says they're Muslims going to heaven? And he goes, no. And I said, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Don't, don't tell my pastor this, but I don't think everybody who says they're a Christian is going to heaven. Amen. So maybe it's not the title. Maybe it's the scriptures. Can we study the scriptures together? Come on. And That's good. Yeah. This is, this is why I wanted to have Nathan Hantus on because <laughs> I'm never going to get that, man. Um, it's it, because do you, do you hear this boldness? And yet it's said... It's so effortless. It's look, it's, it's, it's conversation. Hey, let me just ask this disarming question that I know that they're going to, they're going to agree with. It's not sneaky. It's not tricky. We're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. Um, but, but we are trying to work our way around some of these mm -hmm. objections that really shouldn't be objections. Right. And, and what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to show them, look, it's okay. I'm a safe person to have a conversation mm -hmm. with. I'm not going to hurt you. Right. I'm not going to um, take advantage of you in any way. And, and, and at the same time, I'm trusting you're not going to do that to me. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm willing to make myself a little vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I'm willing to open up my home or my table or, or my Bible with you. And uh, I'm willing to have this conversation because I think that there's going to be value in the two of us coming together. And, 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 and something, this is something I want to pursue. Yeah. Um, that's great, man. Yeah. I love that. And, and what kind of success have you had with this? So I've had, um, I've, I've been able to have different Bible studies with people. Uh, I'm actually looking forward to a Bible study. I will be starting, um, in somebody's house in somebody's apartment. And he's going to bring in people I've never even met. He says, no, wait, who is this? Uh, just a, he's a neighbor of mine lives directly below me and he's a okay. Muslim. And he says, um, I've asked him if he wants to study the scriptures or, or the prophets together. And he goes, absolutely. I would love that. And I told him, Hey, is there anybody else who would like to study the scriptures? And we can, we can study these together. Mm. And so he's bringing other people. Um, right now is, is Ramadan. Uh, we still have Ramadan for a couple more days. Mm -hmm. um, Ramadan, the Ramadan is a, is a lunar month. So according to the lunar calendar mm -hmm. uh, of fasting. And so from sunrise to sunset, you can't eat or drink or, or, anything like that. And then right. you break the fast in the evenings. It's a, it's a month long holiday. Um, yeah. It's a holy month in the, the Muslim calendar. And, and I will say, historically speaking, it's, it's a month where you generally don't see a lot of fruit if you're reaching out to them, but it's a great opportunity to build deeper into the relationship. So with this guy, uh, my wife and I made him meals so that he wouldn't have to worry about cooking while he was starving mm. and for them to break fasts over. Wow. And that's just something that, that, you know, like I said, food brings people together. Um, how was that received? That was received very well and he's really enjoyed it. And, and I think he's really looking forward to our relationship as neighbors going forward. Okay. So this is, a, I mean, you're cooking for this guy. Yeah. Who, by the way, who does the cooking you or Anna Marie? Oh, we both cook. You guys both yeah. cook. Very cool. Um, you're cooking for this guy. You, you're, you care for him. Mm -hmm. This is not just platitudes. This is not just, uh, putting a veneer over something right. to try to ingratiate yourself. You, you have to invest time and ingredients mm -hmm. and money and, mm -hmm. and care into this. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a, a, a real genuine gesture because yeah. even if this doesn't work out, even if the, you know, from an evangelistic perspective, of course, you know, you'd love for him. I'm sure you'd love for him to get to know the Jesus in the same way you do. Yeah. But even if it doesn't work out, you've now extended yeah. um, food and, and, and love mm -hmm. and, care to this person that that's that's non-refundable right? right i mean you've invested something right you can never get back here 
um, which is which is pretty cool. I, yeah. I, I like that. Um, he knows he's not an agenda. Great way to put it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. So we've had, we've got a couple of comments come mm-hmm. in. Um, Andrea Whitmer said that uh, she does prison ministry and she wants to know the best way to open up a conversation. Um, she she commented that uh, it was a great approach. So I think that you yeah. answered that question, Andrea. If he didn't answer your question, please um, please ask it again. I, I can maybe add one more thing just specifically. I did a prison ministry with, with a mentor of mine who was one of the fiercest evangelists I knew. Hmm. Uh, he was the kind of guy where he would walk into the prison cell as the chaplain and he would point at people and say, what are you doing back here? Your family needs you. Your kids need you sort of thing. Hmm. Um, but every single time he spoke with anybody, he said, tell me what you need prayer for and don't make anything up. Give me something real and I will be praying for you every single day. And he wow. was able to build such great relationships once again, around prayer and around loving people and around uh, putting that investment into them. Love it. Okay, there you go. That's that's gold, man. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Greg Wilson says, all the more reason to pray five times a day, they, meaning Muslims, are seeking some inkling of assurance. We have assurance as believers, but often don't pray. Man, that yeah. that is so true. <laughs> uh, a little too true. Uh, maybe if we demonstrated our prayer communication with God more actively and visibly, it might bring a question. And then he says, food, yes. Um, yeah, we man, we need to be praying. Yeah. We do. If we, especially when yeah. we say we believe. Uh, Jerry says, I've got an Arab friend, not all on board with Jesus yet, but he enjoys that I pray for him. Oh, praise and he asks the Lord. me to pray for him regularly. Yeah, praise what, the what, Lord. What would you say to Jerry? Yeah, I'd say keep it up uh, and keep just having a relationship with him. Um, and follow up with him. Say, do say, as you keep up with him, say, Hey, I'm, I am praying for you regularly. How is the prayer happening? You know, is it working? Is it, you know, what do you see in your life? How have these prayers been answered? Mm. God answers prayers. I believe that. And that's why I use prayer because I've seen it happen. You know, it's, it's one of those things where you can say, yeah, we've just got this blind faith. But when you see prayer answered, it's not completely blind. Right. At the, at the end of the day. No, no, that's <laughs> it's right. like, no, I've actually that's just right. watched this you know, I've watched yeah. these answers be pray, uh, these prayers be answered. Yeah. Um, you, you know, um, there's an evangelist named Ray Comfort. Yeah. And um, what he he's, he talks about, he says, I know God is real based on you know he's got he's got all those reasons based on scripture, based on you know the uh, the creation of the world, and and then he says, and I have faith that God will answer my prayers. Yeah. I don't have faith that God exists. Right. I know God exists. Right. I have faith that he'll answer right. my prayers yeah. based on what I already know. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's a good reminder that we have to really have that faith that God will answer our prayers. Yeah. And and we do see so often where prayer happens, that's where the gospel gets spread mm. more than anything else. I mean, we this is something that has been placed in my wife and I's heart to the point where in, in our community in Bloomington, we're reaching out to a lot of different churches right now and saying, hey, can we host a prayer for the nations one day a week? Uh, our goal is to have from, from Monday through Saturday an, an option of prayers, and then on Sunday, everybody with their own congregation. But that way, there is prayer every single day coming from the churches and coming from the, the collective community. Um, and you know where you see movements of the gospel, every single time you see a prayer movement right before that or going through that. Love it. We need to be praying. We, yeah. need, we need to be praying. Uh, we need to pray like like we have faith. Pray like, pray like we believe. You know, Scripture does say, "Pray without ceasing." That's Absolutely. still that's still in the Bible, right? Yes, it's so, still there. It's still there. The Bible has, hasn't been corrupted. It hasn't been corrupted. <laughs> um, so we don't need. We, we shouldn't be praying five times a day. Is not enough. Yeah, we ought to be praying continuously throughout. Continuously. We should be praying right now as we're talking. We should yeah. be praying to God gives us the right words to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lord, give us the right words to say as we, as we wrap up. Um, so if you guys have any more questions, we've got a few minutes left. We've got about, um, let's say six, seven minutes left. Drop a, drop a comment, ask your question. Uh, we want to make sure that we get to all the questions that we can. But um, I guess um, as we begin to draw to a close, Nathan, you and your wife, man, First of all, I just want to say this is awesome, mm-hmm. and and I want to put you on the spot. I didn't mm-hmm. ask, I didn't say I was going to ask you this. Uh, last year, you wrote something for my personal blog about yeah. about this topic. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, would you be willing to write something for the the Think Institute? Something maybe something practical. Yeah, I can I can put up there. Yeah, you know some practical tips on sharing our faith with Muslims. Not everybody's going to watch this. Not everybody's going to listen to this. But 
Right. That would be helpful. Would you? Be I, to... I would be more than happy to. Awesome. That would be that would be incredible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then secondly, Anna Marie and you are getting ready to go overseas. Right. Man, I, you know, I want to ask you two questions. Mm -hmm. First of all, how did you know that this is what God was calling you to? Because maybe someone's going to listen to this. Yeah. And they've been feeling this tug, but they think, well, that couldn't possibly be what God wants me to do. Mm -hmm. I'm an American. I've got a life mm -hmm. here. I've got a job. I've got a cat. I've got a fish, whatever. Mm -hmm. That can't possibly be what God wants me right. to do. Um, how did you know this is what God was calling you to? And then secondly, how can we be praying for you over the next six months, one year as you get ready to go? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, so growing up, I grew up in a Christian family and uh, um, my parents were very involved with the church and with outreach. My dad planted Bible studies in our neighborhood and with you know, co-workers and all, all sorts of different people. And my mom um, was a volunteer at a pregnancy resource center and just spent her life reaching out to women saying, hey, if you keep your child, I'm going to take care of you and I will take care of your child too. And we will walk through this together. Wow. Uh, and has seen a lot of people come to faith through that as well. Um, and, you know, as I grew older, it just became clear to me that this world does have so much need. And as a Christian, I need to be in ministry. And so I made a decision very young that I wanted to be in full-time ministry I, exactly what that meant, I didn't know yet. Um, but when I went to Columbia, uh, just visiting family, I wasn't doing anything, um, you know, no mission trip or anything. There was a point where we were walking through a park and it was just getting from A to B. There was nothing necessarily special about the park or plan there. Um, but I looked around and there were homeless people all over this park and they had all kinds of, of different issues. Some people had leprosy at the time. I didn't even realize that was still a thing. There was one person who was so dwarfed, he was holding a violin like it was a double bass. People missing limbs and fingers and eyes and all sorts of, I mean, just everything. But then at the same time, it was a big park and it was fairly well known. So you have tourists from all over the world, middle class, upper, upper class from all over the world. And it was just in that moment where I, I really saw that a, a piece of the whole world was right there. All of its needs, all of its classes, all of the nations. And, and God was saying to me, hey, I'm going to send you to the world. Uh, How did you know that? Prayer, you know prayer, okay. you spend your life in prayer and, and you will know when God's speaking to you. But it's just like, it's just one of those moments where it was like, yeah, this is what I need to do. Um, now, not everybody has a, has a big moment like that. Some people, it just gradually goes. And I'll tell you, I needed something like that because I'm very thick headed. You really got to pound something into me to get it to me. But at the end of the day, here, here, same here. Th there's an imbalance. There's about, I don't know. 300, 400 Christians um, in Christian communities for every one Christian there is overseas. And, and one example that was given to me that I thought was really powerful was, and this was even shrinking it. It was, if you see people carrying a log and you're going to help them, and on one side there's 10 people, and on the other side there's one person, what side would you go to to be the most help? Hmm. You go to the side where the one person is, right? Well, imagine that log where there's 300 on one side and one on the other side, you need to go to the other side. Mm. And I'm not saying that every person is called to go overseas, but every person is called to do something. And you, if you're going to be with those 300 people, you really need to make sure that you're called to be with those 300 people mm. because we need believers to go. Uh, I was, I was having lunch with Paul Kim the other yeah. day. And you know, Paul is, he, he wants to go, he wants to go mm -hmm. overseas. Um, and I was asking him kind of the same question, just asking him, Hey, how do you know, how do you know you're supposed to go? Mm -hmm. Right. And basically what he said was, well, I have a desire to go and that's pretty rare. So I figure I might as well just go with it. You <laughs> right. know, I mean, it was, it was right. just something as simple as that. It was, it was like, look, not many people want to go. Mm -hmm. I basically do. So, what why not you know like i should go mm -hmm. and sometimes i think it's that simple sometimes there's like there's an experience like you had right where you know i know for me you know my wife and i are full-time missionaries planted here in chicago now right. and you know for for me i had this desire to do this work i wanted to start an institute to train folks in the church who were never going to go to seminary but i wanted mm -hmm. to train them in the biblical worldview and to share and defend their faith mm -hmm. and it was something that i was i was uh, trying to push through as a pastor mm -hmm. and couldn't make a ton of headway with it. And then it was just this one conversation that I had where uh, I was discussing Crew City, which is our organization with mm -hmm. 
someone who was knowledgeable about Crew City. And I said, can I do this kind of work with Crew City? And he said, yes, absolutely you can. And that was like this epiphany moment for me. I realized this is it. This mm-hmm. is, I guess we're going to be missionaries to Chicago now because right. I can't see myself doing anything other than this. So for me, it was a strong desire and, and an right. alignment of opportunity. For you, you saw the need. Right. And then God pl- God planted that in you and then brought that to fruition later. For, for Paul, it was just sort of a general desire and, hey, why not, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's kind of cool. You got three different people and... and Really, you get three different stories, but yeah, it's the same God working to get the same gospel out. Oh yeah. Um, how can we be praying for you, man? Support raising. Yeah, absolutely. Prayer raising, partner right. raising, man. What are your biggest prayer needs? And then not only prayer needs, but but be bold. Ask for what do you need from the people who are watching and listening to this. So, you know, that's a great question. I'll, I'll go over the prayer needs because. I hope I've really emphasized this enough, but I believe prayer is the most powerful thing. I, and that's that's the best thing we can do. And right so please pray for me, pray for my wife, pray for Joel, because heaven knows he needs it. Amen. Um, but right now there's there's a lot of a lot of things working together. So we are getting ready to go overseas. Um, we are uh, in that process, we're working as mobilizers and that that has two points to it. So there's mobilizing the local church which is training people to share their faith. Um, and, and we take a very come with me approach. Let's just do this mm-hmm. uh, more so than, you know, there's, there's a lot of talks, a lot of curriculum and things that we go through. I, I think that's all great. Yeah. But at least in my situation, I know a lot of other people's situation, I never shared my faith until finally somebody said, all right, let's go. Um, so right now my wife and I are going a step further than that. And we're saying, let's not, don't just let's go, come move into our community with us and live with us. This is what we want. We want to pray every single day with you. And we want to reach this community with you. We want to have Bible studies with you. We want to essentially, you know, we're not living in the same apartment, but we want to be as close and as intimate as we possibly can as a body of Christians. So we're trying to pull together a team to reach Bloomington Mm. um, and a team of people who are really close together. That's very Acts chapter two. Yeah. Meeting in each other's homes, praying, eating together, everybody Um, on mission together. Absolutely. Love it. And, uh, and then I mentioned earlier our initiative with the churches. So please pray that churches are receptive to that because I would love to see churches coming together and saying, you know what, we might not be the same congregation, but we're still one body and we still have one mission. Uh, and so just praying together for the nations would be, I think, amazing. And I, I've got some meetings, um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see where they go and we'll see how receptive they are. So please pray for those. Um, and then, you know, Anna Marie and I are support raising right now. We started, what day is today? Monday? Yeah. We started yesterday. So we are at the very beginning of that. Um, so we need prayer uh, that, that people will rise up and um, support us. We need a lot of monthly supporters. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're actually, you know, taking an approach where we're not asking individual people for support, but we're asking whole small groups to support us as a whole small group. Mm. Uh, and so that way it'll be like, here's a body of people who are coming together regularly and, and we're theirs and they'll, they'll pray for us and they'll, you know, we'll have a great relationship with them as opposed to individual people. That being said, would you turn down an individual? No, absolutely not. Okay. Just want to, I just want to make that very clear. Yeah. He's not turning away individuals. It's just a different approach. Um, that's good. So, you know, we want, we want both. We want individuals who are passionate about it and we want, we want whole small groups who can say, you know, we are functioning as a team of people supporting you. Now, do you have a, like a giving link? I know like with crew, I've got a giving link. You go to give.crew.org slash 101-8841. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> and you can support Elisa and me. What about you? Um, do you have a, do you have a giving link? Is there a website? Something you could give me and I could put in the show notes? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I'll, you did not ask me to, to plug yeah. this, but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm doing it because so. I, believe in what you guys are trying to do. That would be, that would be really helpful. If okay. You, yeah. If you did that for uh, sure. We'll put that in the show notes. Um, check that out. But don't share that link. If you see it, I, um, that's not something that should be public because the organization likes to be a little bit more private, okay. but if it's just in a comments and you guys are following it, that's fine. Um, so should I put it in the description of the show or, or no? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's uh, fine. that should be all right. But, um, well, actually, you know what, if you guys want to support, why don't you, why don't you message, uh, think Institute? Okay. And I'll give it to Joel so he can message you back. Great. That might be the best way. That'll work. All right. So drop a message to the Think Institute. That's fb.me slash 
the think institute all one word or you can send it to our email address it's the think.institute at gmail.com if you send it to that i will get that email and um and then i will reply mm -hmm. with nathan's um uh nathan and anna marie's uh support raising link now we did have a couple more questions come in yeah. a couple more comments um Unfortunately, we are out of time and I've got to keep it uh, limited to about an hour so that people will still listen to it. Um, <laughs> so I'll tell you what, Nathan, um, we got to have you on again, man. Okay. Okay. I, I, I'd love to talk about the Muslim view of Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and and um, man, I'm sure there's a whole host of other things we could, yeah. I want to hear stories. I mean, there's, there's plenty of stuff we could talk about. Mm -hmm. um, there's never enough time, but thank you for coming on. Yeah. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. It. And I'm um, glad to know you're a fellow thinker like myself. <laughs> uh, and uh, glad to know that we both have wives who are in touch with their feelings. Mm -hmm. uh, because And probably more in touch with our feelings than we are, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's good. All right, guys. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, if you have any uh, – if you, if you want to get in touch with us, you want to follow what we're doing through the Think Institute, go to thethink.institute or you can go to tr uh, truthinconversation.com dot com and um again you can email me at the think dot institute at gmail dot com thanks so much for your time i hope it made you think